Welcome to The Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and want to share the message of hope that He brings for all people. We pray that you're blessed by this word and that it reveals God's love for you in a new way. Enjoy. All right, well, welcome, guys, to Banter. We've got a very exciting guest in this morning, uh, the highly esteemed Reverend. (laughs) (laughs) Pastor, Pastor Brian Codrington. Great to have you. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you for the message yesterday. It was, um, I think, just a really helpful, yeah, summation and wrap-up of our SHAPE series. That was a real blessing. Mm -hmm. Um, Before we start, I've just opened up the Bible Gateway page for the day just if I need to look up any verses and the verse of the day is Ephesians 5 25 to 26 husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy cleansing her by the washing with water through the word my question is what is I'll start with you Brian throw you right under the bus what is your favorite thing about your wife Favourite thing about my wife? Giving just, me just a second. Just her, no, no. That's easy. Just her consistent love and care for me and her sense of adventure. So two favourite things. Yeah. Love that. That's great. Yeah. Mitch, what's your favourite uh, thing about Rach? I like her creativity. Mm. Yeah. And her ability to organise the family. Yes. Very organised. Yes. That's also always fall apart. Uh, sadly. Uh, she has a pretty good personality. Nice. I love it. I'm yeah. throw it. We should throw it back on you now. Yeah. No, I, I love um, how considerate M is. And I mean that in every sense of the word. She sees, yeah, she sees those who I think are sometimes unseen and is always thinking about how can those people be loved and cared for and, yeah, considered. So hmm. that's what I love about her most. Partly also because maybe that's something I'm not always great at. Mm. Sometimes can be a bit, uh, yeah, just what's the next thing rather than thinking about who needs to be looked after right now. So mm. long mm. for that. Mm. Well, now that we've uh, you know, <laughs> sort of sort of ticked, ticked that one off, yeah. if any of our wives are listening, I think we've earned some brownie points today. <laughs> ah, good. <laughs> so, Brian, I um, think that it was really cool to see how the shape Uh, that we've been looking at over the past few weeks could be applied very um, practically to the life of Paul, I think someone Mm, who mm. we can all look Mm. up to. Um, Before I kind of get into that, I love the um, quote that you used, where our deepest gladness meets the world's greatest hunger Mm. is where Mm. our sort of shape is. Mm. Did you want to talk a bit about that Mm. and what it sort of looks like to find gladness um, in when we fully discover what our shape is? Mm. I think um, following Jesus is meant to be uh, fun Mm. and it's meant to be fulfilling Mm. and joyful. Um, You know, when uh, when we think of the words of Jesus, I've come that you might have life, life in all its fullness. Mm. Um, That gives a a picture of a life that is full, that is fulfilled. And um, and so I think that whole aspect of gladness, mm. um, where you know um, a deep our deep gladness meets the world's deepest needs, mm. um, is is where God um, shapes us um, to to meet the world's needs, and you know that that shaping of us to meet the world's needs mm. um, will is a place that we do find a joy mm. and we do find gladness because. There's this aspect for us that we want to make a difference. I think every person that is born wants to make a positive difference in creation. 
um, most people I speak, speak to um, say, yeah, look, I really want to make a difference in the world. And that difference that we can make, um, it's, it's wonderful to think that that can also be a source of deep gladness mm. because we feel we're actually um, achieving our purpose. Mm. You know, we're, we're meeting the world's deepest need. Mm. And when I'm doing that, that gives me a joy. It mm. gives me a gladness. Mm. And we've been shaped in, in that way to be able to do that. And obviously each of our hearts um, and the different uh, shape that each of us have, yeah. um, we will find a different type of gladness. What gives me a deep gladness yeah. is not necessarily going to give other people mm. a deep gladness. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. That's really cool. And I think um, after the service, I was chatting to uh, somebody and she was talking about how, you know, maybe sometimes we do need to like plug holes as well. Like, yes, maybe, yeah. you know, like maybe we can be um, guilty. And I know that you agree yes, with that, Brian, that yeah, there's this idea of, you know, there is still sometimes important to roll up our sleeves mm. for the kingdom yes. and uh, do some things. And I suppose in that conversation I had with her, it came back to, yeah, like Jesus wasn't necessarily super excited to die on a cross, you know, and <laughs> good thing he did. Right. Mm. So Mitch, in that, um, as we see, you know, Christ, who we're supposed to model ourselves after, having clear moments in his ministry where he did things which he was definitely shaped to do, right, <laughs> um, but ultimately didn't want to do, was willing to do because it was the Father's will, but didn't personally, you know, his heart wasn't mm. yearning to be crucified. Uh, quite the opposite. How do we sort of balance that tension? And mm. how do we sort of find that balance of serving and also finding gladness what does mm. that kind of look like and how do you see that panning out yeah so i guess like we go <clears throat> question with jesus and the cross mm. and that prayer it always went back to not my will but yours be done mm. and so that's fundamental yeah and so it's recognize i guess if you're going to use jesus shape he was shaped to be the son of god called sure. to be the anointed one to mm. yeah. be the prince mm. of peace mm. and part of that was suffering on the cross and yeah but going back to that prayer so i guess if you are called by god into things you don't want to do me being a pastor i know i want to be a pastor mm. i remember really distinctly in 2012 um it was in november i did like a missionary for a weekend in yeah. auburn yeah we hung out at the mosque and different temples and one of the guys leading the the little trip it was like a taster for you know life overseas in the mission field he said well you don't want to be a pastor mitch i was like no way mm. i hate public speaking and mm. i hate like church mm. politics mm. yeah 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 mm. and so yeah sometimes god has a sense of humor and pushes <laughs> you into things yeah but i guess that's what paul uh, he writes um in second corinthians when i'm weak then he is strong mm. so yeah there is that's some of the tension i see is god can empower you with your shape to yeah. keep that acronym mm. and but also push you outside the comfort zone mm. and so but it's always going back to god's will and calling mm. and yeah that can be easy to say hard to do at times absolutely. but you lean into that you lean into that calling absolutely and i think that um brian you kind of shared something and i'm kind of jumping a bit forward sure. in your sermon but sure. you kind of spoke about your own mission statement um, and did you mm. want to repeat that for us? I do have it written down here, but I think that you'll probably... It's, it's using my shape yeah. Yeah, mm. through entrepreneurial adventures yeah. to initiate and build ministries mm. that see mm. people wonder Christ. And that is, I like, when I think of like what 
I see you doing for the Mm. kingdom. Like that is such a perfect summation of it. And that makes so much sense. And I think that I, I think it's a fair call to say that everyone would love to have a really clear crystallized Mm. mission statement like that. Like, I feel like for anyone who doesn't have that, they would look at that and be like, Oh yeah, that would be great. Like obviously not that Mm. mission statement for them maybe, but, and um, I'd love to kind of have a bit of a conversation about you were talking even before how your ministry has also shaped you, as in there's mm. been a process there. Mm. Um, did you have a road to Damascus moment where you're like, this is my mission statement? And if not, how did that kind of come about? How was that, yeah, maybe cleared and, and refined and, yeah, come to fruition in what it ends up being now? Yeah, it's a good question. And and sh- certainly it wasn't a road to Damascus experience. Sure. And this is, you know, what you sure. know, you've been called to do. And, and this is what has been planned for you, not at all. Um, it was, it really flowed out of, I suppose, the experiences of life I had mm. and where I was at the time. And it was a process that um, probably, you know, by the time that was formulated, um, Uh, because over a period of three years in what God had been doing in my life, even though sitting down to formulate this and and discuss my particular gifts with Mm. friends was probably a three-month, you know, experience. Mm. Let me explain the difference. Um, You know, at the time, um, we had a very successful accounting practice and... um, and it was doing very well and in, in many ways, you know, at the age, I suppose, I was going through a, a midlife crisis. Mm. And um, I was very much challenged by um, the music of Keith Green, um, mm. you know, and, and, and the theology of his songs, you know. And mm. I was sitting in church and and um, and often I, was, I felt I was filling holes in a way. I was mm. not really finding a lot of fulfillment out of what I was doing, yeah. even though I'm, I was committed to Jesus, totally sold out to Jesus and committed to the local church. Yeah. But I kept on thinking, there's got to be more that's flowing from within me, as I said yesterday in the message, um, that um, is giving me a joy, mm-hmm. if you know what I'm saying, giving me a joy um, from, from serving in that way. And um, and getting back to to the to the business was um, I was being challenged by the by the you know the the, the music of Keith Green and, and one of those songs was Asleep in the Light mm. because I, I'd be coming along to church and it's almost like well you know bless me Lord bless me Lord that's, <laughs> that's all I ever hear but no one aches and no one cares and no one even sheds one tear you know yeah. and it was all about the fact that Christ had given his all. And yet there was more that um, the Lord wanted me to give mm. um, in in following Him, and 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 by giving more, it would it would actually also fill my heart with with gladness, you know, um, mm. because there'd be a, you know, out of my out of my inner man would flow rivers of living water, you know, sure. to be that 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 filling of of the Spirit yes. of God that would yeah. flow. Yeah, and so for me, that's a lot of the writing of, of Keith Green and the songs of Keith Green were really a challenge to Christians to basically say, get out and serve the world. Yeah, um, you know, um, see the world changed, and mm. um, and invite people on the journey. And yeah. to do that, your life has got to make a difference in a way that is attractive mm. to those that are out there. And so that's when I started to look at. Um, I sold half my practice um, at one stage and um, and then went and did um, 
uh, did some work in in the inner city, uh, inner city ministries, and those types of things. Mm. Um, and yet the practice then grew again. So I decided that you know we would we would sell that. Mm. Bought a sugarcane farm in Queensland, and the plan was to go up and to build on the houses um, for. Um, women that were suffering domestic um, um, violence mm-hmm. uh, situations and that was because Lynn's a trained counsellor so she would be engaged in that with the women and the kids and um, I would the plan was that I would be engaged in um, in helping the unemployed establish mm-hmm. businesses because sure. that was what I loved to do with clients who were yeah. had a new business coming in looking how to establish their businesses and get them moving and mm. And, um, and even create new businesses. And that I really found that was something that was stimulating for me. Yeah. So that was it. We bought 175 acres. And, mm. um, and that was all part of this process that I was on. Really not having that, that vision statement formulated, mm. that mission statement formulated at the time, but mm. uh, being on this journey with God, continuing mm. to shape me and refine me and to, and to fine-tune his call on my life, you know. Mm. And then um, we had a new senior pastor come to our church, mm. um, Keith Jobbins, that mm. many would know well. And um, and he was the first one, I think, that as he could see what was happening and uh, he asked me to come and to be involved in, in working alongside him to um, have our church kind of be more effective in reaching the community. And I said, oh, Keith, I'm... I'm not going to be here for long. We've got a sugarcane farm in Queensland and mm. um, we're, we're going to go. And he said, well, we'll see what God says about that or something like that. It was one of his his little comments to me. And then he was the first one that actually um, said to me, um, have you ever thought that you have an apostolic gift? Mm. Um, you know, apostle in the sense of, of starting new things. I've mm. seen what's happened around here and, um, you know, I I like to think that you know we can kind of liberate you to explore that gift, mm. and it was out of that that freedom to explore that gift, yeah. uh, I started to have the confidence mm. um, that the church was a place for me to use those gifts. Mm. You know, I'd sat in Morning College before in Bible College, mm-hmm. and I was pretty convinced um, after sitting through there that I didn't want to be. A pastor. I, mean, I hear what Mitch is saying. Yeah. You know, um, the thought of, um, you know, with all due respects to the lovely members of our church, <laughs> the thought of getting up every Sunday to preach a message to people who already have a faith in Jesus um, just doesn't turn me on. And and I mean that with the most respect mm-hmm. for everyone. What what really lights my fire is people who don't know Jesus mm. having the opportunity to understand God's plan. Yeah. And so that type of apostolic ministry, going and planting, being able to reach out with people that haven't heard, even into our own local community, um, was something that I found really appealing. And so, yeah, I'm very, very thankful that um, that Keith took the opportunity and the chance mm. to kind of... Um, uh, free me to do to do mm. that, mm. and uh, and so getting back to your question, it's mm. a long answer to a very short question, yeah, 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 and I'm very. I was sorry. worried my question was too long. Uh, <laughs> very sorry about that, but the process of formulating it was over a period of time. Certainly yeah. not not a Damascus Road yeah. experience, and it's something that still continues to be refined. Yeah, you know. 
So that would, it, I mean, obviously everyone's <clears throat> process is going to be different. Um, from you deciding to pull back on your accounting firm mm. until kind of mm. really feeling like that mm. mission statement for you was clarified, as a estimate, how many years would you say that that would have been? Oh, um, probably two. I mean, I started, things were happening in, in my life for three years, but I hadn't sold my accounting yeah. practice at that sure. stage. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, even after I sold the accounting practice and we were going to, as I thought at the time, move to Queensland, um, you know, I remember uh, being here in Sydney. Our house was up for sale, yeah. hadn't sold. And I can remember walking down the road thinking, well, you know, this is great, Brian, you're 34. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what the scripture said is about any man that doesn't provide for his family is a worse than an unbeliever, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and so I'm thinking, great testimony to, to, to God you are and to faith, you know. Um, now, mind you, we, we weren't in dire straits. Mm -hmm. We weren't going to um, be lacking food. But there was just a sense that, I'd, I'd sold the accounting practice. I hadn't engaged up there in Queensland at that stage. We were waiting for our, our house to sell. I was volunteering my time um, at the church to be involved in, mm. in the outreach mm. activities of the church. Um, but that was all part of God's preparation yeah. mm. for me. Mm. So yeah. good. Mm. Mm. I have only one question. What did you do with the sugar cane farm? <laughs> <laughs> kept, it, kept it for yeah, five yeah. years. You know, there's there's still something within me that I love, I still look at landline. Every week yeah. I record landline and every week I will look at the sugar prices and they're not too bad at the moment. Yeah. Now, now 19, 19 cents a pound, you know. There you go. That's not too bad. Um, you know, so the sugar cane farm, we had it uh, for five years, had a manager on it. And, um, and in the end, um, I had to decide between a long-term call here. You can't mm. live in two places mm. and part of, I suppose, um, the acceptance of what God's road for us here and coming um, coming in as a pastor of com community outreach was to say, I'm going to sever the ties with what was there in Queensland. So um, very sadly, um, we put on the market. We did very well yeah. out of that, but um, put on the market to sell. Yeah, mm -hmm. so, yeah, five years we had it. Yeah. Mm. Mm. I think one really interesting theme that you, you kind of brought up in that story is people who knew you well and yes. loved you. I, th I think of Keith Jobbins, for yes. instance, as yes. a perfect example. Yes. Speaking into your life and almost seeing things that, you know, you hadn't been able to see yourself. Maybe you couldn't see the trees for the forest kind of thing. But like just somebody who you're a really good friend with who loves mm. you, who has mm. a similar heart for Christ, mm. speaking that truth into your life. And I've had mm. that experience for me personally, mm. sort of when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to be doing and what my role may look like here, mm. you know, going for a really long, you know, walk with a mate one day yep. and him just being like, oh, well, like, obviously you're a pastor. Yes. You know, and just having yes. somebody who'd known me for 10 years. Yes. You know, yes. really knew me deeply. Also had a heart for Christ. Yes. Um, I, I don't know, Mitch, if you've had a similar experience of having people yeah. speak that. It sounds like even when you were doing that mission stuff, you know, it seems like an interesting sort of suggestion for your friend to say, "Yeah, oh, have you ever thought about being a pastor?" Yeah, probably the biggest call in our life was when we were exploring to go with. I always see what they call now global interaction. That's what it always be to me. Baptist Mission Australia, yeah, yeah, yeah. as they're called now. They did a discernment weekend, and so Rach and I went along with that. There were a few other potential candidates, and 
what was clear from that weekend is we weren't going to go with GIA, but mm. I remember Andrew Palmer, he was the then mm. state director. He goes, yeah, it's pretty clear that you both called into ministry like, mm. together. Mm. So, mm. yeah, because I think I, I just started pastoring at Lidcombrella and I was a mm. little bit unsure about, mm. like, you know, is this what I want to be doing? And mm. so that was a really mm. nice, like, mm. confirmation yeah. from here. That, yeah, I see you both called together. It's not yeah. just niche, but it's... Because it is an interesting thing that we've spoken about. Like with this shape course, it is somewhat self-assessed. Yes, yeah. that's know? right. Yes. So, you know, if I um, am, let's just say, not a, um, you know, very talented preacher. Yes. But I think that I am. Yeah. So then I start answering all the all the spiritual good questions. Yes, like when when I speak, people are like you yeah, know converted. inspired. You know all these things. It can kind of be really helpful to have that other perspective yeah. as well. And mm. also, you know, quite often to see probably the more common one is us not being confident enough in mm. what in what God has gifted us with. How do we foster find those sort of relationships in our life intentionally? You mean for those that can speak into our lives? Yeah to, yeah, to to make sure that we have those people in our lives. How do we do that? How do we ensure that that happens? How do we encourage that? I remember at the beginning of the year, I challenged everyone to find yourself um, a Paul, yep. so like mm. an older mentor, mm. yeah. a Barnabas, and encourage mm. and a Timothy to disciple. Yeah. <clears throat> we spoke a little bit about this last week about people who kind of stagnate as teenagers spiritually. And the next process is like that discipling. And mm. so that's where I see it as like feeding in. If you're discipling someone mm. and then you're being discipled and you've got an encourager, mm. I guess it sounds really cliche. Sometimes just pray about it. <laughs> God yeah. will open up yeah, 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 like someone to fall into your life. Yeah, for oh. sure. But yeah, I guess like for me, the times it's been, it's happened organically. Yeah. Um, I've formed relationships, particularly with like older mentor figures. And it's sure. just sort of happened organically. And yeah. We've journeyed along together. Yeah. And I think I think the other aspect too, I, I agree with mm. that, um, Mitch, you know, I, th- I think if you you try to establish those relationships just to have someone speak in, maybe that's a little bit manufactured mm. for me, even though, you know, I have a spiritual director sure. myself and there are those situations. But what I've found is that when I've stepped into a situation, um, you know, uh, and there have been people that have spoken then in, um, you know, to that. I suppose my my situation and the reason that Keith's um, input was so valuable was I'd never thought of myself as an apostle. And Mm. and I think um, we don't tend to speak about apostles um, being in the local church setting. And, um, you know, Mm. I I think it was Mike Frost in in one of his books, uh, The Shaping of Things to Come, or one, uh, one of the earlier books talked about, you know, APEPT, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers and, and basically said that oftentimes our, our churches concentrate so much on pastors and teachers mm. that, you know, the apostles, the prophets and the evangelists wonder whether there's really a, a place for them in the local mm. church. Mm. And so so for me, um, you know, it's it's that was what was so um, interesting for me then to go and say, oh, okay, well, apostle, that's, that's someone who's seen God, that's someone mm. that's sent, you know. Mm. Um, and I knew what an apostle was, but the thought about an apostle 
um, just being a planter of of, of ministry, mm. so particularly in in a cross cultural setting, yeah, yeah. Um, and and even then in our sports centre over the years. I mean, mm. we we're in a cross cultural setting. Sure, you know. Sure. I mean, Australia these days is a cross cultural setting. Yeah. Um, <coughs> sure, not like going into a Muslim um, country. Um, from where we are. Hey, you obviously didn't grow up in Bankstown. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Well, I'm speaking to someone yeah, who knows all about that. Um, but but really, um, you know, into another world, particularly in the world of sport. Yeah. Um, where, you know, sport in Australia is, is a god anyway um, for many people. Um, so yeah. you're kind of trying to, to, to introduce, um, you know, the Lord um, in that. I think as a, as a centre, we're positioned very uniquely, hmm. unlike other churches, to really... Speak into the lives mm. of people who wouldn't yeah. ever sit foot into a church. Absolutely. Mm. And mm. sometimes, yeah, it's probably opportunities that we often leave squander. Mm. There'd be lots of churches out there that would kill for opportunity to engage with hundreds of people yeah. a day mm. yeah. into their doors. So. Yeah. So mm. good. So, so good. Mm. I think um, what one other thing that you kind of spoke about that made me laugh very hard <laughs> was when kind of near the end of your sermon you were talking about, now I must tell you guys this shape course that we're doing, it's not a trap. <laughs> I think um, I'm slightly paraphrasing, but we don't want to chain you to a chair yeah, for, for, for the two-year contract. Yes, yes. For, for the sceptics amongst us, you know, for those people who are maybe worried that um, the church, I'll, I'll make it a faceless entity, just wants more of you, wants more blood, you know, kind of thing. And I think that that can be a really dangerous place that everybody can can be at. Even in a secular, you know, like I think of a mum who volunteers maybe too much at a netball club, you yeah. know, or, yeah, you know, exactly. a, a dad who gives yeah. too much of himself at work, you know, whatever it is, this yeah. idea that... All these organisations, they just want more of you. You yeah. are just a commodity mm. yes, and they want more right. of you. That's right. Um, I'd love to hear you speak into that, um, in, in particular of also the liberty of being released yes. from things and yeah. what that can look yeah. like. But, that's yeah, right. and obviously open to everyone mm-hmm. to speak about yeah. I think I think the, wonder, the wonderful thing um, about the SHAPE course um, is that, or about finding our gifts, mm. is that once we realise what our gifts are, we can say no with a clear conscience mm. to those things that aren't our fit. Mm. Now, we mentioned before that obviously there are some things that need to be done in the sure. life of the church. Sure. And the shape course going through would recognise that we've got a primary gift, mm. which is where we should be operating mm. out of. But there are other things that need to be done in the life of the church yeah. where we need to play a part. Yes. And we, and, and, but let's get back to our primary gift. Mm. If we concentrate on that, it brings it brings a freedom, um, and it brings an energy um, mm. in, into the situation um, because mm. we are operating out of our strengths, and it's a lot easier mm. to do that and to operate out of those things that we're naturally gifted for mm. than it is to be um, labouring, you know, to 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 measure up in a way. Um, mm. Not that anyone is necessarily measuring our success yeah, but yeah. to actually do the job that we know that we want to do um, mm-hmm. because you know whatever you do do it all for the glory of the Lord well you know whatever job we do in the in the church you know we're inclined to want to do it really well if that's not our gift mm-hmm. that is that it can be a, a laborious process yeah. and w- like when I first started pastoring um, full-time I had the very traditional view of the pastor one that goes and visits everyone mm. And for the first six months, I remember at Regents Park, I tried that. I really didn't like it. I just found it draining and just tiresome. 
Yeah, and it was of all people, N.T. Wright, and he mm. was talking about it how he and he was Bishop of Durham, but he was still studying New Testament. And he goes, "Oh yeah, that was like where I found my niche." And that was kind of the, for me that was the the moment I was like, "Oh, like my niche isn't doing that." Mm. And yeah, mm. actually, I kind mm. of resonate with that. I felt I had all this pressure on me. Yes. I was only myself to be this sort of. Mm. Yeah, pastor, yeah. which I really wasn't. And then when I realised that teaching was my thing, mm. I started doing that, mm. and it became quite liberating. Mm. And people started enjoying mm. it. Like, oh, you're actually like, good at this? So mm. they would enjoy it more than something that I wasn't naturally mm. yeah. good yeah. at and just found draining and mm. yeah. tiresome. So. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's right. And getting back to the ch- chaining of people or the unchaining of people, yeah. um, it, it really is, it is... We should... The church, we should be a place... Mm where people are free, you know, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there is freedom. Mm. And the last thing that we want to be doing, um, and therefore people shouldn't be afraid, um, is to is to lock people up mm-hmm. and to have them feel constrained or restrained yeah. uh, in a way. And, and so, um, yeah, the reason that was said is because we have run a SHAPE course in years gone by where about... 80 people from memory um, will have done the shape course but of those that sat down to develop their shape and to talk about um, how they were gifted with a pastor Mm. and to look at ways of being plugged in were about 14 sure you know and so what there was was an enormous drop off and the and and the feedback was well you know i'm a bit a little bit reluctant because i then might have to use that gift in service yeah well you know um what I what I'd like to be saying is there's there's no compulsion to to use the gift from us. Mm. Mm. Um, however, once you find what that gift is, mm. um, I think uh, we'd like to encourage you mm. to use that gift because that's when you're going to find that place of your deep gladness, mm. meeting the place of the world's greatest need, mm. and and. And, and that's going to bring a, an energy mm. and a fulfilment mm. to you um, in a way that at the moment you might not be mm. experiencing. Mm. And if you're going to do that, um, there are things that might need to, to drop off, mm. you know, um, mm. and, and you need to, to pull out from. Uh, we, yeah, we want to be a place where people um, operate out of their giftedness. Mm. And that's even a secular concept now, um, Gallup. Mm-hmm. They have their strengths finders. The current one, 2.0, mm-hmm. Tom Rath basically says the same thing for mm-hmm. secular, like corporate landers. Mm-hmm. Don't, he basically don't waste your time doing courses that you're not mm-hmm. strong in. Mm-hmm. Don't waste your time. Do what you're good at. Mm-hmm. Get yourself a team. Work in the mm-hmm. team. So yeah. at yeah. the church, that body analogy, Paul says, we're yeah. not all an eye, we're not all an ear. Yeah. We are a body and so each part plays a role yeah ensuring the body moves forward that's so good that's so good well look i think that i i want to do a quick hypothetical Um, i'm coming in here to uh to two of our pastors uh i'm I'm currently i i come to church every second week right i'm on two rosters and I i come when i'm rostered on okay but i'm just honestly feeling exhausted like i leave church at about you know quarter past 11 on a sunday and i feel more tired than when I came, I like, you know, I wake up on a Sunday morning and it's like, oh, like I, I really don't want to go to church. I'd much prefer oh. to just chill out. And hence why I do on every second Wednesday. What would be, what would be your advice for me? 
My advice would still be to do the course and to find yes. out where your gifting is, yeah. number one. And I know this sounds like a hard sell, but, you know, after all, God created us to operate according to our giftedness. So the first thing would be to, um, to have a look at, at doing the course. But the second thing would be to really investigate the cause of the tiredness. Mm. I mean, is, there, is it just church mm. that you're feeling yes. tired when you go to or you're tired when you go to work? I mean, there could be a physical issue. Mm. <laughs> um, there could be a physical issue. It could be just a constantly demanding schedule, um, you know, through the week mm. in terms of your own work environment mm. that leaves you drained mm. by the time you get to a Sunday. There are so many. This hypothetical you've raised, yeah, Murray, yeah, 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 yeah. could have so many of, different yeah. causes, yeah, yeah, couldn't yeah, yeah, yeah. it? And there's even the, the question of, well, why did you volunteer in the first place? What were the reasons? Mm. And if it's basically the plug holes, you're like, mm, mm. perhaps the motivation wasn't. Yeah. Yeah, because normally you sign up for something, you should be, you'd think, motivated to do it for a mm. reason. Mm. Yeah. Go back to that reason. Yeah, why. that's right. And I think the other reason that people might volunteer, um, even if they're not gifted, is that they want to participate in some way in the church, but they just don't know where to do yeah. it. Yeah. And yet a roster is a, you know, okay, we need someone to fill this hole on the roster. Mm. They say, look, I don't know what my gifts are. Mm. You know, I don't know what my gifts are, but yeah. I can see that I could play a part mm. here. Sure. And so again, you know, it's the plugging of, of mm. the hole mm. uh, rather than taking the time to find out where the gifts can be used, mm. exercised in a way. I think one of the things I found interesting in church land is sort of the dichotomy of Sunday service to the rest of the week. I kind of just think church is just the hour mm. on a Sunday. Mm. And, look, and let's be honest, unless you have public speaking giftings, musical abilities or like so morning tea or, or tech or tech yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. Re- really quite limited mm. and where, where if you look at church as a whole week thing there's yeah. lots of places like i tell people sundays like it's actually monday to fridays when like the real ministry happens sunday's yeah, yeah, yeah. part of it, a very important part yeah, yeah, but there's yeah. a lot more yeah yeah like the nitty-gritty stuff happens yeah. like the weekdays and that's where a lot of those like strengths can be developed. Mm. Uh, my mm. dad was telling me about a book which I haven't read yet. Goes why men don't go to church. Yes. And yes. have you read it? Yeah. You know, yeah. And he was just saying it's just really interesting. Um, you know, statistics show because just men just don't feel part of it. I think Jill's quite interesting. We actually have a fair number of men here. I think because we have mm. spots mm. where a lot of boats mm. can find their mm. giftings. Yeah. Mm. Sport and friendship. Like yeah. Mm. yeah. So mm. yeah, it's that like. Yeah, obviously looking at ways that people can be just serving the church, not necessarily just Sunday morning, packing up, setting up, doing morning mm. tea, mm. but a lot more holistic throughout the week. Mm. And I think there's, there's I think I, I agree you know, wholeheartedly with that, Mitch, and I think the, the thing is there that um, we still have a, a way to go for all our people to recognise mm. that this one hour on a Sunday is not the most important mm. time um, of our church life. Mm. I mean, mm. it's an important time. Mm. We should be there together. We should be encouraging mm. one another. Mm. Uh, let's not forsake the assembling mm. of ourselves yeah. together. Mm. But there is so much in our church life that mm. happens outside mm. that time um, where the gifts, as you say, the gifts of, of so many of us um, are, are being used now mm. and can be used. Mm. Um, which would bring 
increasing, um, I think, fulfilment mm-hmm. to those who would step into that world. And that's, I guess, one of the cool things about the centre being a seven-day-a-week operation is that mm. you can probably squeeze something in there for you if you, yeah. like, whether or not. And that's one of the things, like, looking, like, holistically, I see the whole centre as ministry. It's not mm. just the church mm. part. Like, you're mm. serving mm. God here by, mm. yeah. if you want to, cafe or inflatable mm. world or downstairs in the men's shed mm. or even just mowing the lawns like that is part of yeah serving here and yeah. like you look at the old testament part of keeping the temple in shape you had to have people who sure. looked after it wasn't just the priests doing sacrifices it was a whole yeah. team and they saw themselves as working together to keep yeah. the, the the connection point between heaven and earth yeah. this sacred holy place mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. similar here there's lots of opportunities to serve here yeah so good and I, I completely agree with that idea of, you know, I think serving, uh, even if it may not be the perfect fit, <laughs> yes. is the perfect opportunity for you to discover what the perfect exactly thing might that. be. Yes, that's right. I think that it's a fantastic opportunity to get more deeply plugged into community because, mm. you know, ultimately, I mean, even a Richard Harris has sort of, you know, half-jokingly challenged me on a Sunday, you know. You just go around and you're like, yeah, how's your week? All right, cool. See ya. Like, do you know what I mean? It can that opportunity of actually getting into it and serving in some Mm. capacity together builds camaraderie, deepens relationship, allows for deeper, you know, sort Mm. of community to build. I think ultimately as well, if you're serving somewhere where you really know it's not your calling, it's it's so draining for you and you're resenting it and it's Mm. almost counterintuitive Mm. to Mm. spiritual growth for Mm -hmm. you, you may also be getting in the way of somebody else who really could flourish, really Mm. could, you know, have a great experience from serving in that position. Because I know that a lot of people sometimes, if they if they don't think there's a need, there's no need to, you know, step into that. That's right. Um, so I think there's a lot to say for that. Um, closing thoughts, any any kind of last things about mm. this shape series that we've, we've gone through now and leading up mm. to the sort of course that we're going to do on the 31st of July? Yeah, I think for me, I always just love that metaphor Paul uses about the body and just keep going back to that yeah. constantly and yeah one of the things I find energizing is being in a team mm. and being able to divvy out different roles yeah uh, and that's what Paul was trying to teach the church at Corinth hey it's not just those that speak in tongues that are the, yeah. the best ones we need everybody to be working together and yeah. so I'm excited to see post July 31st how we can be doing that mm. together as a church community to see more people yeah, use their shape mm. to energize themselves, like Brian said, because mm. it, is, it is quite energizing when you're working in yeah. your strength. Um, yeah. And to see people excited mm. about doing that. So, so good. Mm. And, and for me, I, I think it's, um, yeah, the importance of developing an openness for mm. us as a church to to look at the gifts mm. that we we see in others. Mm. As uh, you mentioned before, Murray, we often don't appreciate um, the gifts that we have. Mm. We might overestimate some, but we might be completely oblivious to others. Yeah, and that's the value, as Mitch was saying, even then, of being part of a body. Mm. Um, you know, from the thirty first when we we gear up. Um, I would see that as the start of this process because yeah. for some people they might be disappointed that all of a sudden they don't come out with their 
uh, their mission statement right on that day. Yes. Um, you know, what we'll be unpacking on that day is our, our shape, our spiritual yeah. gifts, heart, ability, personality, experiences yeah. that we can then meditate on. What, how do those, how, how do those fit together in a, a mission mm. for my life? Mm. And so that'll be rolled out um, after that. And, and that's the importance of the body working together, encouraging mm. one another, mm. iron sharpening iron and mm. gen releasing one another yeah. to, to see fruit for the kingdom. Yeah, mm. I think that's a great sentiment to close on, that it's not the end of a journey, it's mm. the start mm. of a journey. I yeah. really love that. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining us today, Brian. Yeah. Such a pleasure Special to guest. Oh, have yeah, you here, a little you. featured Hang guest on. spot. Uh, yeah, good. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for listening, and we will see you guys on Sunday. Right, thank you. Thank you again, Brian. Thank you. Thank you, Mitch. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to help others discover this channel. Check out the description if you want to find out more or get in touch with us at the Centre Dural. But in the meantime, praying for God's hand over you as you continue to step into everything Jesus has in store for your life. Be blessed.